This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Welcome to Voice of Change with myself, Lauren Jacobs, here on Radio Cape Pulpit, and I hope that you've been having a fantastic, awesome day. Today on the show, I'm excited to be joined by Joel Malm, and uh, Joel and I are going to be discussing some marital realities. And now, today, it's going to be quite focused on, you know, for the guys out there who are listening, but also for women, and we're going to be touching on some of the big things that really hamper marriages. We're also going to be talking about three key things that are common and that happen in most marriages and I know that that's a bit of a stereotype but you know through counseling through psychology we've come to know and to realize and to understand that there are common realities that spouses face and and we can look at that and go hey how do we change this how can we do better so on the show we're going to be chatting about forgiveness guilt communication we're going to be talking about those mails that Joel gets where you know ladies mail and say hey can you help my husband be a better man because Joel does adventures. He's also a counselor. And, uh, you know, just chatting and going, hey, please, you know, invite my husband along and, and help him be a better man. And I must say that I've had people ask this question of me as well. Can can your husband, you know, because he's a faith leader, speak to my husband? And that doesn't generally go so well. And obviously the heart behind that is knowing that your spouse and your partner, especially a husband, sometimes needs a little bit more inspiration, a, a bit more spiritual input and is not always doing what they need to be doing and Joel's going to be discussing that on the show today so we really are going to be looking at you know what is happening why does things go wrong in a marriage how can you know these things change what happens if there's unforgiveness resentment guilt and what can we do now I want to say a little bit of a disclaimer before we get into the show today is that we're not talking and today I'm not going to be touching on obviously abuse or the big things of marriage like infidelity adultery betrayal the trauma that comes with that and trauma that's really in marriages and we're not going to be touching on that today we're just touching across the board on a number of different topics going to be covering quite a bit of ground on the show when it comes to marriage and just normal things that happen in a marriage that hopefully couples will be more empowered to know about after today's show so like I said, I do want to say this because I know that you listening, if you listen to Voice of Change a lot, you know that my passion and what a lot of my guests share, we talk honestly about marriage and we talk honestly though about abuse, trauma and those kind of things. That's not the topic of today. So I just want to say that these things are some of the common things in marriages that just are working but not working as well and also Joel Mom and I just want to tell you a little bit about him so you know what to expect from I guess he's the founder of Summit Leaders and he uses outdoor adventure and leadership coaching to help people 
find their true calling and their and their purpose and also to help them pursue a vision for their lives. His expeditions have taken him all around the world to Mount Kilimanjaro, Grand Canyon, Marco Piku, and he's traveled in over 70 countries on six continents, speaks three languages and holds a BA in political science and an MS in counseling. He speaks at many churches, many conferences, has written many books and uh, is also a counselor when it comes to marriage and does marriage conferences and so it's a great time that we're going to have on the show today so if you just want a little bit more of an edge on knowing and understanding some of the problems that you might be facing in your marriage this is the place to be for the next hour and joel is with me after this As I said today on the show, we're going to have a wonderful time talking about some marriage, uh, you know, kind of busters, or we're going to be talking about male marriage, or and we're going to be talking with the male, M-A-I-L, I like to say marriage counselor, Joel, Joel Mama. You know, Joel, that's what I'm calling you now, because I know you get a lot of mail from ladies, from women who are going, Joel, you know, this is what's happening with, with my marriage. Also, can my husband join some of your, you know, incredible adventures? You know, you've been all around the world. You've you've done Kilimanjaro, Grand Canyon, been all over. And uh, I know that people like to say to you, hey, you know what? My husband, he wants to change. He needs to change for the better. I think he needs to come and climb some mountain, do some canyons, do some, uh, you know, that adventure stuff and it's going to help him be a better man. And uh, we're going to be talking about marriage today on the show. And this is one of my favorite topics because I love it when people are honest as well and keep it real about what this means. So Joel, if someone is mailing you right now and saying, I want my husband to come on an adventure with you because he's got some changes to make, what are you going to say? And how are you going to start this? How are you going to be replying? Because a lot of women, and I've met my, myself as well, met so many women who go, oh, I want to get my husband involved with this. Or can't your husband talk to my husband about this? <laughs> no, and they're like complete strangers. You're like, no, he cannot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure uh, I mean, that's the question is, has it worked? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I when I first started doing these outdoor adventures, I would get, I mean, regularly, at least once every few weeks, an email from somebody. It's a you know, woman saying, hey, my husband really wants to be a better man. Can you contact him, invite him on your adventure? And I used to, you know, I used to write this letter, you know, and I nobody ever responded. No man ever wrote me back. And I've learned that, you know, as a counselor, I've learned, you know, people are going to change when they want to change, how they want to change at the time they want to change. Usually it's when it gets so painful that uh, we just, realize there's no other option than to change. I wish, I wish we weren't that way, but I'm the same way. It's just once the pain gets bad enough, we go, yeah, it's time to change. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't reply anymore. What I usually write to them and say, Hey, have your husband contact me. I'd love to talk to him. They never do, but I know the heart behind it is so many women, they see the potential in their husbands and maybe the husband isn't stepping up in the way they wanted to. Uh, one of the things my dad told me when we first got married, uh, Emily and I, he said, you've got to accept your wife as she is and don't expect her to change. Uh, he says, what happens is, you know, you get, uh, because he's like the things that you're saying, I'm going to, once I marry them, I'll change them. He goes, that's just a formula for resentment mm. because people are going to change when they change. And and part of the reason you probably love your spouse or the person you're interested in is because they're different than you. 
But we have this thing where we're like, well, I'll make them into who they need to be once we're committed to each other. And it just doesn't work that way. Uh, so what you have to do is I've found is if you do want your husband, specifically, I think what a lot of the women are writing me is I want my husband to step up in the area of spiritual leadership. Uh, mm. Most men are really driven by providing for their family. Uh, I, I it, It's a rare man that doesn't have this feeling of I need to provide in them. Uh, but most of the women that write me, I know they're just saying, I want them to step up in the spiritual area. So what I, I, I encourage women to do is when your spouse, you see potential in them that they're not living up to in the area of spirituality, affirm anything they do that is even a micro step in the direction of what you're hoping and praying for them. So, for example, you wish your husband would be committed to getting the church, the family to church every Sunday. And it, the, the the day he says, hey, maybe we should go to church tomorrow, or maybe he actually takes the lead in it. When you affirm that, men men just go where they're, you know, humans in general go where we're affirmed. If you're, yeah. something is affirmed, you say, we I like that about you, you're going to do more of that. Because we all want, especially from the person we're married to, we want affirmation from them. So when you say, man... When you take the lead on getting us to church on a Sunday morning or when you take the lead on praying, even small things like praying for dinner or speaking to our daughter about her challenges um, at, you know, at school, man, that really helps me feel, it makes me feel safe. It makes me feel cared for. It makes me feel loved. And the more a guy hears that, he's going to move towards that. And mm-hmm. a lot of times what we do is we just, we just kind of like harass and nag and and i mean guys do this to their wives too but that rarely ever works in fact oftentimes it puts the wall up to where you're more and more resistant so i just say if if there's something you see in your spouse and this is what i've learned talking to people that want them to go on the outdoor adventure with me affirm anything you see that goes in the direction you want them to and as they do that um you're going to see more of them stepping up more and more to it hmm this is so important and uh, you, you're touching on something and as a counselor coming from your perspective as a counselor as well, how important is it when we're in those conversations or when we're, you know, struggling because you want your partner to change, maybe change certain things or become a, you know, like we used in the beginning, like some people express, become a better man or become a better spiritual leader, or become a better, et cetera, et cetera, whatever that may be. How important is it that we actually learn how to communicate effectively those things by also focusing on ourselves instead of being like, oh, you never take us to church on Sundays. How important is it to change the way we communicate that and and focus on on ourselves and go, it would mean so much to me if we could do this. How important is that communication change um, to make a marriage better? Because sometimes, like you said, you can get stuck in that nagging leads to resentment and it's like, you never do this, you never do that. But then a person kind of gets defensive. So how do we learn to communicate more effectively if there's things you want to change uh, or something that you see needs to change in the relationship? Yeah, so there's a there's a quote I love. I think it was George Bernard Shaw. He said, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. <laughs> and And how many times do we think we've communicated something clearly, but we really haven't? And one of the challenges a lot of times is is learning how to, this is what I've seen with a lot of people in, in counseling, is we know more what we don't want than what we do want. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we've never actually articulated what we do want. So we think our spouse knows what we do want, but they don't. 
uh, because we've, we've clearly articulated what we don't want, but you know, there's, there's, you know, you can run from something in any direction, but you can only run towards something in one direction. And a lot of us, what we're doing is we, we, we speak up about the behavior we don't want, but we never articulate what we do want. And it takes some courage because sometimes it's scary to admit what we do want Yeah, uh, because we may be disappointed. We may be, uh, it, it may be hanging out there as this perfect thing that we look at and we're like, well, if I just have it out there, I'm going to feel always disappointed and discouraged. But there's nothing wrong with having an ideal that you're shooting for, understanding probably never going to live up to it. Um, and your spouse is never going to live up to it. But when you articulate clearly what you're looking for, uh, and this, I mean, here's an example of this, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's say the church thing. Um, what you say is you're like, you never take us to church. Now, when I've found this, when you ever say never or always, there's a very good chance resentment has been building. And resentment, that word res- resent, it's resent in Spanish. It's a Latin-based word. Scent is to feel. Mm-hmm. So when you resent something, it means you feel it over and over and over again. And if you don't deal with that, it's going to come out in all sorts of weird ways. So when you resent someone, it usually ends up going, well, you never, you always. And what that means is there's probably resentment building. So if you find yourself thinking that about the person you love, or or there's a good chance you need to deal with some unforgiveness, which we could talk about that in a little bit too. Unforg- mm. uh, forgiveness is a huge key in relationship. But you've got to learn to specifically say, for example, in the church example, I would really feel encouraged. I would really feel uh, like you're leading our family. If you would take the lead on Sunday morning, I know you don't really enjoy going to church, but there's something that happens when you step up and lead and we begin to see you as a leader when you do that and you articulate that. The problem is once you've said that, if he doesn't do it, you go, oh man, I'm disappointed again. But maybe he doesn't even realize it. He just knows you. You're every Sunday morning, you're irritated that he's kind of one of the kids you have to drag to church with you, right? But when you articulate that and explain it and say, here's what I really would like and make it clear. And and then one of the keys to communication that I've found is, uh, I think it was Carl Rogers, he said this, uh, you've only clearly communicated, you don't say anything until uh, afterwards the person goes, can articulate what they, they feel heard when they say, here's what I think I heard you say. Mm. So when you say it, then you go to them and say, hey, did like, what did you think I just said there? Just mm-hmm. to make, I just want to make sure I was clear. What did you think I said? And then that's how you open lines of communication because we hear what we want to hear and yeah. we usually hear one word and that triggers us. We hear, you know, he didn't say it in the right way. You know, mm-hmm. well, it's still, you know, that's one of the challenges we have. It has to be said in the perfect way. I'm sorry. Nobody says you don't say anything perfectly. I don't say <laughs> anything perfectly. Yeah. Uh, so you have to have that grace and go, all right, I'm going to, to the best of my knowledge, and sometimes that means stopping and thinking for a second, what is it I actually want? I'm always just angry at him or frustrated mm-hmm. with her. What is it I actually want? And learn to gently, kindly, clearly articulate what is it you really want? Because most of us know what we don't want more than what we do want. Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned this because it's something that I wanted to ask you as well. How important is it? And and I'm going to come from just a perspective today on you know women and, and wives. How important is it that we need to own what we want and and be able to voice what we want? Because like you said, we often know what we don't want. And I've met a lot of people who, you know, when the going gets tough, it's a natural human instinct to go, 
well, you know what, things aren't working, I'm going to get out of this because there's something better. So in your mind, <laughs> there's that imagination of like the grass is greener on the other side, where instead you're not actually owning what you really do want and, and trying to articulate that where you are. You're just thinking, well, I'm going to get what I want and it will probably be better if I get it you know, elsewhere because I'm not getting it here. But how important is it then that we own and that we we journey then into the depth of ourselves to go, this is what I want. I'm going to own it and now I'm going to voice it. Yeah, well, you know, the grass is greener where you take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you think it's over there, but it's actually wherever you take care of the grass, it's going to be green. Mm. So I th- I think that's a really important point is a lot of times, so there's these in, in psychology, there's these pers- there's these big five personality traits. And one of them is called agreeableness. And agreeableness is your willingness to go along to get along. Like, I'm not going to speak up. I'll just, yeah, I'll absorb this. Yeah, I don't really want to do that, but I'll do it just to keep the peace. And statistically, I mean, this is just science. Women tend to be more agreeable um, than men are. Now, that's not always true. There are some women who are disagreeable, and unfortunately, they get a bad rap. (laughs) There's certain words people have for women who are disagreeable, but we need disagreeable women. We need disagreeable men. But in general, most of the population is agreeable. So what that means is you just go, eh, I don't want to make waves. So you just say it. And and this is where I've seen relationships, 15, 20-year relationships explode seemingly out of nowhere. A guy will come to me. He'll say, we had the perfect marriage. And then she just flipped out. And I'll go talk to the woman. She'll be like, well, I didn't just flip out. It's just, I've done everything he wanted for the past 20 years. I never spoke up. I never said anything just to keep the peace. Mm-hmm. But I realized one day I can't do this anymore. I just can't do it anymore. And some of them aren't even mad. They're just go, I'm just tired and I can't yeah. do it anymore. But it's that agreeableness. And what, again, it leads to that resentment where it's like, well, I'm going to give into his way again. And I've, I've talked about this as emotional bullying. There's a lot of times I see specifically for women because they tend to be more agreeable, which um, it's just a trait God put in them because they're, they're, they tend to be more nurturing. Again, this isn't not every woman, but statistically yeah. more women are more agreeable. Um, so what they do is they have a hard time speaking up about it and it just builds and it builds and it builds and it builds. And then finally one day they're like, I just, I can't be his slave anymore. And the the man, he thinks everything's great because the woman's been doing whatever he wants for the past 20 years. And he's like, oh, it's the perfect marriage. Well, it's, no, it's not the perfect marriage. Resentment has been building. In fact, like, call me cynical. But whenever somebody tells me we never fight in a relationship, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, then you're in deep trouble at some point. Yeah. Because if and when I say fight, I don't mean physically punching each other. I mean, disagree, mm-hmm. contend with each other, have disagreements about how things should be run in the family. If you don't ever have disagreements, um, then something isn't being said and there's resentment building in someone Mm. because we all have our specific ideas and feelings about how things should be. And we need to have the freedom to do that. And emotional bullying steps in, takes place when a man goes, a woman maybe does start to express her feelings. And he goes, I have too much stress in my life to deal with this. And Mm. and I'm sorry, you don't get that luxury as a man uh, to say, well, I don't have time to deal with your stuff because the woman, she doesn't have time to deal with your stuff either. But we do that out of love for each other. And we realize that the second most important relationship in our life besides Jesus and and our relationship with God is called is supposed to be the person we're married to. So Mm. there that's a priority. And you give I mean, and maybe that's a problem, too. You're not giving enough time to God either. So it's we give time to what we value and communication takes time. And uh, if, if I would agree again. People don't like to hear this, but if there's no disagreements in your marriage, 
there's a very good chance resentment is building in one partner. Mm. I love that you mentioned that as well. I uh, recently heard a, a therapist and she's a relationship therapist saying that, you know, you often d- can disagree and you disagree in your marriage because you still care about the marriage. Also, when you stop caring about something, you just switch over and go, well, you know what? I really don't care anymore. I'm not even prepared to talk about this anymore. So I'm just whatever, you know, I'm just like going with the flow now, but actually just like you said, the resentment, there's things building up inside of the person or inside of both people, mm-hmm. maybe. You're going to fight, uh, and like you said as well, we're not talking about fist fighting, but arguing, disagreeing, having these things. Uh, and sometimes I have found, though, that some people feel uncomfortable uh, around conflict. And maybe in their family, they haven't witnessed you know, a good conflict because there is good conflict and good arguing that, you know, results in something positive and change. But some people feel very uncomfortable when people start getting honest around them because maybe they never grew up like that. And your family background comes in. You could come from a family where everything was swept under the rug. You know, you never spoke about anything and no one ever resolved anything. And then you as a person and as a spouse, you actually have to learn how to get comfortable and, uh, you know, starting to discuss things that can raise conflict and make you feel uncomfortable. And have you found that as well with certain times and in certain marriages? I mean, absolutely. If, if, if there's no conflict, there's no forward movement because forward movement always requires upsetting a status quo. Now, I understand when I've, I've talked about this before, I've written about this before, and people have written me and said, it sounds like you're talking about communism because the idea of communism is you're always upsetting the status quo. Look, I'm not talking about communism. <laughs> I'm not talking about a philosophy yeah. of that. I'm just saying the reality, and this is what he was tapping into. Karl Marx was tapping into the fact that for there to be forward movement, you have to break up the the ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we tend to fall into this kind of, well, Eli Wiesel, he was a Holocaust survivor, said this, uh, the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. And I think of indifference as just being kind of letting the ground just kind of grow hard and cracks in it. But if you want, you know, if you want to plant seeds and see a harvest, you're going to have to, from time to time, break up that ground. And we all tend to kind of fall into these patterns in a relationship. And, and again, we don't want to talk about it. So it's like, it's easier to just throw the cover over you in the evening and act like you you're asleep when your husband comes in rather than say, we need to talk about this, but there's nothing wrong with conflict. If it's done in a godly way, there's a verse that says the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And what he's saying there is he said there is an, there is an, an anger. It's a a response to things that aren't right that is OK. But there's also the anger of man and anger of man, I think, is when you're not seeking a redemptive solution. I think the anger of man is just I'm so mad at you. But I think the anger of the righteous indignation is seeking a solution and seeking redemption because Jesus is always seeking redemption to make things, to put it in right order. So if you go in with that right heart and that's when you go in with that right heart too, which here's, here's the key to that. You've always got to believe right more off to ignorance than to malice, meaning trust the goodwill of the person you're married to or, or dating or in a relationship, but trust that they really have goodwill in mind for you. Uh, because if you immediately go in like they they did that on purpose, yeah, most of the time it's just ignorance. They didn't realize they were doing it. So if you have that goodwill in your heart and you go, all right, I'm going to believe this was an accident. And then you start to have the discussion and you may disagree about the result of it, 
But that's the beauty of a relationship when you're in a committed relationship. And this is the power of marriage and why it's so important saying, I'm not going anywhere so much yeah. so that I've tied my life to yours. We can, we can disagree with this and still about this and still love each other. Hmm. Hmm. I love that. And I love that you mentioned how important marriage is and that I'm not going anywhere. You know, we're going to, we're going to work through this. We're going to, it's going to be tough sometimes. And I think that that is a big deal because sometimes people feel that if they are voicing what they need or they become vulnerable, there's that human fear that rises up and going like this person could leave. They could walk out. They could abandon me. They could, they could just turn around and be like, well, I'm not willing to listen or change. And we have that fear of that vulnerability because I think we live in such a fallen world that I've met so many individuals who have been hurt in relationships, hurting marriages, where whenever things get tough, the first thing a person does is they want to bolt out and they've experienced that. And so having that committed marriage and building into that is so important as well of going, you know what, we're here. I'm not going anywhere. We're going to work through this, even if it takes a couple of months or it's going to take maybe even longer than that. That commitment is so important. And we're going to go to a quick song break, but I don't want you to go anywhere because I want to ask Joel about forgiveness as well, because that's a huge thing in marriage. So don't go anywhere. Enjoy the song and see you after this. You with me, Lauren Jacobs here on Voice of Change, and we're talking about marriage and we're talking, you know, really coming from a perspective of talking about conflict in marriage and talking about, you know, women, men, how we're doing this thing, how we're communicating. It's such a big, big topic. And Joel, you mentioned earlier on on the show about forgiveness. You know, take us through the place of forgiveness. I, I see there's two aspects of this. One is that you can have someone in the marriage that maybe has hurt their spouse, done things that maybe they feel guilty about, they carry that guilt. And then you have the other side where, you know, there needs to be forgiveness as, as well. It's kind of like two things happening at once. Firstly, how do we look at forgiveness in marriage and how do we look at you know, when you're really trying to make things right or, you know, you're changing your character, you're working on something, but you still carry guilt over things that maybe you've done, or maybe it's been big things that you've done in your marriage and, you know, there is forgiveness, but there's still guilt. So this is, this is two questions in one. So forgiveness and yeah. then the, the guilt aspect, and it's probably a pretty big question. Well, so forgiveness is a powerful thing because the foundation of everything we believe as followers of Christ is that one person willingly took like took on forgiveness and carried the weight of what was done against him and didn't hold it against the people who did it to him. Mm. And when we walk that out, I mean, I think I, I remember reading the uh, biography of Nelson Mandela, a guy your, your listeners are probably very familiar with. Yeah. And I remember a specific quote he said uh, after he was released, I think it was from Robin Island. He said, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. And I, I think that's what happens a lot of times is we we actually think we're keeping the person who hurt us in prison, but the only person that's in prison when you fail to forgive is you. The other people have moved on, whether they've ju they said justified themselves or whether they've thought they've done what's right or whatever. Um, you may never get an apology from those people, but you can set yourself free by choosing the act of forgiveness. And the cool thing about forgiveness is it doesn't depend on the other person admitting their guilt. Uh, because that can be hard. I mean, the person that hurts you uh, may have passed away or they may be a narcissist and they're never going to admit their guilt. Yeah. So you walk in forgiveness and you say, just like Jesus forgave me for what I've done, I choose to forgive 
others. And the cool thing about forgiveness, it's, it's a, I think is a myth about forgiveness we have is that, well, you forgive and forget, but you know what? You'll, your, your brain is too powerful to forget. You don't forgive and forget as Christians, we forgive and remember with forgiveness. So the because forgiveness involves grief and grief is always a spiral rather than a straight line. What happens with grief is it it, sw- it it swings back around like a spiral and you'll wake up, you know, a month, a year, two years, five years after the event happened where you were really wounded and the grief and the the weight of it will come over you yeah. like like it ha- like it just happened. But the beautiful thing is when you forgive uh and that memory comes back up, you say no I chose to forgive them. And eventually your emotions will follow your decision. And a lot of that's part of the act of faith is we have to believe that as we, we do what Jesus says, he knows how we're created. As we do what Jesus says, our emotions and feelings will follow eventually. And the grief may come back around three, five, 10 years, you know, the abuse, the betrayal. But as you've chosen to forgive each time, instead of a feeling of anger, it'll be replaced with a feeling of peace and going, ah, and you know what? I chose to forgive them. And I think that's the power of forgiveness. And if you don't have forgiveness in a relationship, uh, it's doomed because we're going to hurt each other. We just live in a fallen world. Mm. But when you choose to forgive, uh, it's it's powerful. And let me, real quick, a little self-promotion, shameless self-promotion <laughs> on the U version, on the U version Bible app. Um, one of the most read devotionals, I've written multiple devotions on there, but one of the most popular devotionals on there right now is one called the power to forgive. You just put in my name, Joelle Malm, the power to forgive. And I get emails on a regular basis from people writing me and saying, this thing set me free. And it wasn't because of anything I'd written. I just took the verses from the word of God that talk about forgiveness. So I'd encourage you, if you are struggling with forgiveness, uh, the power to forgive on Version Bible app, it's completely free to get. It's got powerful Bible verses, what Jesus says about forgiveness and how you can activate that in your relationships. Mm. That's how I found you. I read one of your, I know that I've told you this before. I read one of your devotionals. Um, the version Bible app is like one of the most uh, used Bible apps in South Africa as well. And uh, so really? I'm going to go. Yeah, totally. I'm going to go and uh, we have some of our authors that even, uh, you know, contribute Afrikaans one. So if someone isn't, I mean, we're not here uh, now promoting the version Bible app, but, you know, if you don't use that app, it's a really cool one because the devotionals are so, so incredible. And so, Joel, that leads me to, you know, forgiveness being so important. What about if you are the person, and especially in marriage, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And what if you're the person that's carrying the guilt, maybe, and, uh, you know, forgiveness has been extended to you, but you're struggling with that guilt yourself. And so that's causing a hindrance in the relationship. Yeah, well, guilt is an incredibly powerful motivator, right? But the, the thing about guilt is you have to also learn to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. Once you've done your best to make recompense for what you've done wrong and you can't always fix you know, once you've opened Pandora's box, there's certain things you're not going to be able to fix. But once you've done your best, really listening to God, saying, God, you know, there, there's a verse where King David says, He search me and know me, O God, see if there's any unclean way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I think that's a prayer for all of us of just going, God, is there something I've done? And to the best of my ability, have I fixed it or, or acknowledged it or asked for forgiveness or tried to rectify it? And if you have, listen. Jesus forgave you of the worst things you did. You have no right to not forgive yourself of those things. If Jesus did it, because it's his gift anyways, 
you lean into the grace he gives to forgive yourself. And I have talked to a lot of people that say, the person I got to forgive is myself and I just can't. Listen, you, you, you don't get to hang on to, uh, just like you have to forgive others, you also have to forgive yourself for those things you did because Jesus does not hold it, God does not hold it against you. When he looks at you, if you've asked for forgiveness of those sins, you've asked Jesus to, to take over your life, all he sees is the righteousness. That's the right standing. You're in good standing with God. He's not mad at you. You have no right to be mad at yourself. Mm. So that's powerful, really powerful words there as well. And I think that we can forget that forgiveness is something we have to offer ourselves as well. And forgiveness is something we have to practice. You know, Joel, in summary, what have you seen? If you can mention the top three things that you have seen, they kind of are what I would say, marriage busters, you know, things that really bust up a marriage. Do you think it's easy to just narrow it down to even just three things for people who are listening to go, these are the three things I see quite a lot of. And uh, if you're going through this, don't feel like it's maybe just your marriage or it's just something that you're struggling with. This is kind of universal to a lot of relationships. And so therefore there is hope of changing those things. If there are three main things that really disrupt a marriage, what would they be? It's funny that you say that because I'm I'm doing a marriage conference in just a few weeks and I've narrowed it down to three things. So oh, here we wow. go. Win the spirit. Uh, yeah. The first <laughs> the first one is what we've already addressed. Consult your resentment. When you feel that he always, she never, you need to address that. It's like a warning light on your dashboard on your car. Uh, if you see a warning light come on in your car and you ignore that, eventually you're gonna be stranded on the side of the road. You need to pay attention to that light. It means something. And you address it and say, what am I really feeling? Which leads to the second one is margin. I think our lives are so busy that we have no space. And listen, communication takes time and space. You can't hurry communication. And this is what happens in marriages a lot of times. This will happen with me and my wife. She'll be so irritated that I'm just in the kitchen making a sandwich. And she'll go, why are you in the kitchen making a sandwich? I'm like, because it's a kitchen where you make a sandwich. <laughs> and I know that's a warning light to me saying, uh-oh something's wrong. And we'll start talking. I'll be like, what's going on? And after about 10 minutes of conversation, she'll go, I'm actually really mad at you for what you did yesterday. And I just now realized it hmm. because we're just driving forward. Most of us, we don't sit around thinking about all the offenses done, but it builds. It's that resentment that builds. And so whenever there's, there's always something behind it. And when there's no space to have those conversations, you go, I just don't have time for 30 minutes to let my wife ramble and talk and us figured out you, you don't have that luxury you guys have to leave space and we're so many of us are so business that in general we say it takes in counseling it takes about 90 minutes a week of focused communication just to figure out what needs to be done around the house right mm -hmm. like picking yeah. up the kids taking them to events that's 90 minutes that's not even for emotional connection that's just data transfer yeah. this needs to happen we need to get this fixed the car needs this to happen so you're going to need more than 90 minutes, which is why date nights are so important on a regular basis, not just for communication about information, but going beyond that to emotional connection. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing I think it's really important is, is what I would call right sacrifices. Um, listen, just because you're sacrificing, it doesn't mean you're making the right sacrifice. We see that in the story of Cain. He sacrificed to God and God said, eh, I don't like your sacrifice. Cain gets mad. And a lot of times we get mad because we're like, well, I'm sacrificing for this family or for the kids or for my wife. And, and she's saying, yeah, but you're not giving us what we really need. Yeah, you're giving us money. You're providing money, but we need you. 
And only you can be the spouse to your wife or to your husband. Only you can be the parent, like the true parent of the kids. And if that's the role you're in, you can make a sacrifice and it be the wrong sacrifice. And what that verse that he says, uh, God tells Cain, sin is crouching at your door. But if you do right, uh, he says, if you do right, it'll go well for you. If you do not, sin is crouching at your door. That word, Hebrew word sin, it's in Greek, it's hamartia, and in Hebrew, it's chata. It's an archery term. He basically says, you aimed at a target, but it was the wrong target. It wasn't what I valued. And you have to understand there's a hierarchy of values to what God values. And the first thing that's most important is your relationship to God, always. The second thing that's most important is your relationship to your spouse. And the third thing that's most relation, important is your relationship to your kids in that order. If your kids are taking priority over your spouse, that's a wrong sacrifice. If your work is taking priority over your kids and your spouse, that's a wrong sacrifice. And you can be sure anger, frustration, just like with Cain, it'll rise up. And again, it's that sign on the dashboard that maybe there's a wrong sacrifice being made and some conversation needs to be had because listen, your spouse knows where, where they feel like the wrong sacrifice being made, they're feeling the results of it. So that would be the three things. Consult your resentment, leave lots of, of margin for communication and connection and intimacy, closeness. And then the third thing is make sure you're making the right sacrifice. And the hard part of our right sacrifices in every season, what the right sacrifice is, change, changes. When the kids are younger, it takes a different sacrifice. When the kids are older, it takes a different sacrifice. When the kids leave the house, different sacrifice. So you have to be constantly evaluating the season of life you're in. King Solomon says, for everything, there's a season. As you evaluate those seasons, um, God will show you what needs to be sacrificed in that season. Hmm. Wow, this is so, so powerful because I just I just love it. It's, this is so empowering, Joel. I'm so, I'm so grateful that we had this conversation today as well because I think that one of the things you hear a lot of, and I hear it as well, and Christians talk about, and even women when they get together, it's like, oh, we're going to talk about marriage. You're going to talk about your spouse. You know, just that you're in there on on what happens sometimes with, with women when they get together for tea. You know, it's kind of like, oh, this is what we're going to talk about now. And many times it's talking about things so that you can try and find a way to to fix it, to help, to assist, to change the narrative that you might be living in. And so what you've been sharing with us today is incredibly powerful. And especially there at the end, you know, summing up those things and that right sacrifice, so, so important. And that reminder that it will change, you know, maybe in, in the current season, it might be that, you know, you need to, your wife wants to spend, you know, quality time with you in the next season. It might be something else, you know, when you have children then that's going to change. What a powerful reminder. And it's so, so important. So that's where communication is going to come into. Just go back and go, you know, what, what are we going to be doing for each other in the season? How can I, you know, love you? How do you want to be loved, you know, and owning that. And so Joel, I want to say thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for shining light on marriage. And the fact of the matter is that we as Christians, we want to have a marriage that is also fulfilling and that is beautiful and that it, it kind of makes you happy. You know, you, you want to thrive as well. There's things that you want in life. So I want to say thank you, Joel, and all the best for that, uh, the whole marriage teachings that you're going to be doing coming up. I mean, that's going to be quite cool. And you're going to get a lot more questions. So we'll probably have to revisit this conversation. So Joel, but thank you. I so would much. love it. <laughs> you're going to give us some more wisdom after that conference. I just know it. <laughs> but thank you well, so thanks much. Thanks for having me on. It was great to be with you. 
It was so good. And uh, again, you can go on over to the Version Bible app. I just did it now while I was listening to Joel because I can multitask and, uh, you know, just subscribe to another one of the devotionals. And there's a lot, Joel, that you have on there. And actually, I saw that the one about anger is also one of the most, uh, you know, read devotionals on there. So there's another topic, how many people are dealing with that and fear and anxiety as well. So lots to go and read. So Joel, thank you so much for being here today. And yeah, God's blessings on you and your family and everything you're going to be getting up to over the next few weeks. You too. Thanks. I want to thank Joel for his time for being with us today. I know that he enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And I hope that you as the listener enjoyed it. And you know, when we talk about marriage, doesn't matter if you've been married five years, 15 years, 25 years, 40 years, there are these common things that we find in marriage and we want to be able to discuss them, talk about them, know how to overcome them, know how to be better communicators, know how to offer forgiveness, receive forgiveness and also forgive ourselves. And, you know, communication is such a big thing as well in marriage. And we know we talk about it a lot. If you do a marriage course, which I'm sure many of you have done, or even premarital counseling, you're talking about things like communication, finances, children. But one of the things I loved, loved, loved about today's conversation that Joel brought up was offering right sacrifices and interpreting that and how does that apply to marriage. And I know sometimes, you know, seasons do change and I love that. Are we really loving our partner and being loved in the way that we understand love are you being loved in the way you need to be loved am I being loved in that way is your spouse being loved in that way that's where communication comes in as well where we need to be talking about that and that reality so you know own what your needs are and as well as communicate that because your partner doesn't often maybe know and and can't mind read what is going on in your mind and in your thoughts and that's where healthy communication comes in I pray for a redemption in marriages I know that marriage is is often we say marriage is difficult and many people say marriage is hard and um, I, I pray for redemption today in marriages and a restoration father in in marriages bring it to us in the mighty name of your son and we just pray that as we have spent this time together and we've just heard such wisdom on marriage that you will help our marriages flourish and thrive and be empowered to make a change help us also have a kingdom perspective on why you've brought us together and father we know that every marriage is ordained by you when we get married when you lead us to that right spouse and that you have a plan for that marriage and it's a kingdom plan so give us your kingdom plans and blueprints for the marriages that are represented here today for those who are listening today and father i pray also though for healing of your holy spirit in places where the marriage has been hard it's been tough where there's been hardships and things that have happened that shouldn't have father bring healing and hope and redemption and we thank you for this in the mighty name of jesus our messiah amen and amen and i pray today that you have been super blessed on the show it's been such a great time with you and you know stay tuned for the rest of this evening's lineup tc coming up later it's going to be a fantastic show with her and also just this is where you want to be your daily companion kate pulpit also this is where you want to be for some inspiration for some hope and of course always some truth about jesus christ Christ, he's a love for you and his goodness. So may his love and goodness be with you the rest of this evening and over the course of the next couple of days. See you next week and take care.
This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.